0: don't get discouraged because what I'm going to share with you is easier to figure out than you think that it is. And especially the men that have gone through my course or done coaching with me have been like, wow, this is easier than I thought that it would be. And I'm getting way different responses. Like the kinds of moans I'm getting now are really different moans. (laughs) Right. mentioned in the description of this episode this is actually pulled from a different podcast this is pulled from the ask women podcast where i was a guest talking about my sex research and i'm putting it on my podcast in part because i really liked what Kristen had to say in the discussion and the stories she shared and i just really like her style and i wanted to include that and um yeah, I'm curious to hear what you think about it. If you have any, any thoughts or opinions, you can get me at dearmenpodcast at gmail.com. And we do talk about my streaming course in this episode, my course called Please Her in Bed, which is all about sexuality and sexual communication for men who have sex with women. And if you are interested in that, you can get it at a discount if you're a podcast listener. So it's normally 97, but you can get it for 69 if you use the code DEAR MEN. That's all one word, DEAR MEN. So just in case you are interested after Listening to this episode. And then before we start, I wanted to share a cool celebration that is sort of in line with this kind of energy and spirit. This is from one of our clients. He says, I took ownership of my sexuality and just expressed it as I was out and about. So when at Chipotle, I did, and the female cashier kept forgetting what she was saying and laughing as I was flirting with her. I also intentionally made eye contact with a woman with a group of her friends out at an out at night and she looked at her friends and they all screamed in excitement which was a cool experience so this is just a quick celebration for a man who is stepping into his sexual power owning his sexuality more being with that out in the world and the results that he's getting are pretty fun and exciting and I wanted to celebrate that you know who you are so without further ado we will get into this episode and you can always get me at dearmanpodcast at gmail.com
1: I want to jump right into your research and what the most profound points that you've discovered through this research and how it's affected people in their marriages, their relationships, all that kind of stuff. So just go for it. Just give it to me. Yeah. Just like we would in the bedroom, just give it to me.
0: Just give it to me. (laughs) So I would say that my own sex research came out of two things. One, my own curiosity I had a couple of research questions I was curious about, including how many men are good in bed? And Mm. I will also just share that I primarily work with men who have sex with women. So that's mostly what this category is. But the data points for the research I'm talking about today came from over 3,000 people all over the age range, mostly folks in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, and about 80% hetero. So 80 to 85% hetero. So a lot of what we're going to be talking about today is heterosexuality. Just wanted to name that off the bat. And so, yeah, I wanted to know how many men are good in bed, meaning how many women who have sex with men think men are good in bed. And also, I had been having some issues with one of my boyfriends in the bedroom, and I'd been really scared to speak up, and so I hadn't. And I was curious about how many other women had ever ended a relationship due to the sex but maybe not told their guy. Mm -hmm. So those were a few of the research questions I started with. And then I added a bunch on top of that. And one of the most surprising findings that I got, which I think is pretty interesting when you're doing research, I think most of us do have a sense of what we think people are going to say. And then when they don't say that, it's just mind-blowing. So for me, that version was, yeah, have you ever broken up with someone because of the sex? And when I originally crunched the numbers, I pulled out folks who identified as straight or men who have sex with women, women who have sex with men. And what I found was that 49% of the men said, yes, I've ended a relationship because of the sex, which included marriages. So for some men I work with, for example, several of the men that I've worked with, I would say many, were in sexless marriages. And that was a big issue. And I've worked with a lot of men around it, et cetera. And so I wasn't that surprised when 49% of men said, yes, they had ended a relationship due to the sex, sometimes even a marriage. And at the time I pulled that finding first and I thought, okay, yeah, the women will probably be maybe half that. So 26%, maybe 30%, maybe on par. And it turned out that it was 61% of women relationship because of the sex and it was really poignant because in my research, I always leave an other option so people can write in something. And on that one, 3% of women wrote in and many of those women said something like, I've never done it before, but I'm considering doing it right now. So I think the number is more like 64%, Wow, 63, 64, that of women is have any because of the sex. And I think that sort of turns that idea on its head that sex is more important to men and... I think truly sex is important to human beings. I do think that there is a difference between the sexes in terms of drive and just in terms of individual people. But in aggregate, that finding really had me sort of sit up and take note of how critical sex is in dating and relationships and communication. Because I knew for myself that I rarely
1: told a man when the sex wasn't that good I rarely told him that that was the case. I almost feel like telling them is like a mortal sin. Like I'm going to, because men base so much of their self-esteem on how they can please a woman. And if they find out they're not good, it's just like all hell could break loose. And so I've never, ever communicated to a guy. I've never had sex with anyone but a guy. As far as I know unless they've had some really (laughs) real looking uh, tools. I've never, never once told the guy that I've been unsatisfied. And I would say probably 70, 75% of the time, I'm not satisfied. Oh my
0: God, this is a great statistic because when I asked women how many men were good in bed, about a third of women said 90% plus are not good in bed. So the bar is quite low. And something I tell men is actually don't get discouraged because what I'm going to share with you is easier to figure out than you think that it is. And especially the men that have gone through my course or done coaching with me have been like, wow, this is easier than I thought that it would be. And I'm getting way different responses. Like the kinds of moans I'm getting now are really different moans.
1: (laughs) Right. They're not just a woman hitting a tape recorder of a moan. (laughs) <laughs> from the last yeah.
0: time. If one guy even said a woman was like, wow, you're really good at this. this is, he yeah. he gone on her and he's like, I've never heard that before. This man was in his fifties. He was like, that is new. That
1: is new thing for me to experience. Well, I just wanted to ask a quick question. Do you think women are doing... I think the answer is obvious, but are women doing men a huge disservice by not telling them? Is it better to keep their ego just kind of going streamlined the way it has been all along? Or is it better to upset them to then get them to a higher plane of performance?
0: So that's actually a pretty nuanced question. And I'm a pretty passionate advocate of flipping it on its head and saying, I think our first assumption for many of us is, oh, well, this is simple. Women should just speak up. Women should just be brave and tell the man the truth, and then it'll be fine. But what I found in the research was that there are four specific reasons why women don't speak up. The overarching umbrella is we're scared. And women who have spoken up spoke up in the research, and they shared things about what happened, and it was not always good. So I'm going to share those four reasons, but I'd say that my overall answer And what I advocate for and teach men how to do is invite her out, invite her out, invite her feedback, invite her to let you know. That's a much safer and easier way for us to go. And it also shows that you actually really do want to know. So I think actually the solution is not for women to just speak up, but Mm -hmm. for men to learn to invite, for men to learn to invite. And I think the analogy I always give my guys is that Women are like cars where every car, with the exception of Teslas, we're putting Teslas and EVs aside, every car has a transmission, every car has brakes, every car has spark plugs, every car has the same parts, but every car is different. Some cars pull to the left, some cars it's hard to back them up, some cars have a reverse mirror, some don't. And you get to know your car, right? You know, my car, for example, when I give it to the valet, I say, you have to press the fob. The actual key won't open the car and it won't start the car unless that, you know, there's little things about your car that you get to know. And I think we think of being good in bad as binary, either you're good and better, you're not. But the truth is, you're probably going to need some adjustment with any partner you're with. And you as a man learning to be skillful in eliciting that, learning how to sort of coax her out and get her to give you feedback so that you can make adjustments feels a lot more inviting than I'm bad or I'm good. And I think a lot of men assume they need to be good at this already. And so they're scared of feedback and they don't always elicit it. Or this is what I've found a lot. They assume everything's fine. And in my experience, Kristen, I'm a lot like you. I have very rarely spoken up. I have, and I'm going to get to that, but I have very rarely spoken up. And so I think most of the men I've slept with have assumed everything was fine. And I was being pleased when really it wasn't as good as they thought that it was. And right. I was too scared to, to speak up. The times I did speak up were when it hurt, which the vast majority of women, the vast majority of women listed that as their number one sex problem, pain. And men do not look that. It was less than 5% of men who talked about pain.
1: Yeah, well, they're not going to... A giant thing shoved up their butthole. (laughs) I I just wouldn't imagine men having pain. It would just be the emotional pain of finding out they're not good. So before you go forward and get into that, I just want to ask you a quick question regarding inviting a woman out to ask her. So you often have guys when they're having sex with a woman, you often have them saying like stuff like, do you like that? Does that feel good? Now that's quote unquote like asking, but is that inviting? Because if during sex, he's like, do you like that? Does that feel good? And you're like, no, not really. It's going to kill the mood. It's not going to be actually what he wants to hear. He wants to hear like, oh yeah, that feels great. So how does a guy invite and get her to share this information in the way that she knows he actually wants to hear it, not just get this sexy feedback.
0: Yeah, one of the things I talk about in my course is good questions versus bad questions. So bad (laughs) questions are binary. There's either a yes or no answer, and those are exactly what you just listed. How is that? Does that feel good? Yep. Do you like that? Those are all binary. And there's enormous pressure for us to say, yes, yes, it feels good yes, it's good. So instead, what you want to ask are scale questions. How's that pressure? For example, is a really mm. good question, especially since my course, it breaks it down into hands, mouth, intercourse, and then how to talk about sex, because that's really important in everything we're discussing. But for example, with hands, most men are way too rough with their hands, way too rough. And I think part of that is from porn training. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you the number of porn videos I've watched where I've thought, ow, and actually kind of clenched my pussy. I'm like, oh God, ah, that looks painful, right? There's no, it's not wet. It's just...
1: Right. Where I'm like, wow, she's doing really good acting or she's really hiding the pain face. You know, exactly. like I know what's going on in her brain right now, but she's not letting him know, but we as women know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So if you're fingering a woman or you're using your hands, I don't really like the word fingering because it, to me, honestly, it feels a little violent, <laughs> just the association. Yeah. <laughs> I experienced so much pain with it, that it's a little stressful. But when you're using your hands, if you're saying something like, how's that pressure? There's a lot more openness and availability for her to say, actually, I'd love a little less, maybe a little lighter, a little lighter. Yeah. And okay. I think that's a good example all along the way of sort of scaling your questions to be, you want to be getting more information. You don't want to be getting a yes or a no. If it's a yes or no question, it's not going to be working. And I would say just based on the research right off the bat, use way less pressure than you think, way less pressure with your hands and your tongue, way, way like, way less than you think, less than you've been doing probably for your whole life. And it's worth mentioning that statistically, men take about seven minutes to come to full physiological arousal. So all systems go, everything's happening, all the blood is everywhere it needs to be, etc. And women, the research varies, but essentially, it's not double, it's not triple, it's over triple the amount of time. So it's 25 Uh to 45 minutes for a woman's body to come to full physiological arousal. And that doesn't mean that needs to be the time in bed. For example, if she's dancing with someone and she's getting turned on, that counts in that sort of ramp up time. But my point is that the amount of pressure that you should be using at the beginning of an encounter with a woman should be vastly less than the middle or the end. Because once she's aroused, her body can take a lot more. But at the beginning, if you want exquisite pleasure in her body, you need to be using very, very light touch, being touched over her clothes, things like that. The male body can take a lot more pressure and a lot more Mm -hmm. roughhousing. Mm-hmm. than the female anatomy. It's just part of the, the deal. And again, I think that men are trained poorly by porn. I think many, many men are using porn as their primary education around sex. And I would say just as a throwing it out there, guys, don't learn about sex from porn. Seek out women teachers. If you're someone who has sex with women, seek out women to learn about sex from. Don't watch porn because you're going to learn the wrong thing. So... But I do want to go back, if we can, to just those mm-hmm. four reasons why it's so hard for us to speak up because I do think that when I think about being a man, I think I would feel maybe a little betrayed. Like I don't understand why women haven't been telling me, almost like spinach in my teeth. Like why haven't women been telling me for all of these years what's going on? So there are four main reasons these came up in the research. The first reason is, this is mine, I'm terrified that if I say, oh, that actually really hurts what you're doing, that you'll say, well, fuck you then. If you don't like the way mm-hmm. I do it, I won't do it. Mm-hmm. You stupid cunt! Like yes. I'm genuinely afraid that I will be attacked. I I truly am afraid that I will be attacked, and that's reason one. Reason two is this came up actually. This was the majority of women were afraid. They they were afraid
1: that the man would attack them. They were afraid he would withdraw. Yep, and eventually leave. I've experienced that. When we're done listening the four, I want to get into that real quick. Yeah.
0: And this is just a quote I pulled from the research in this category. This woman said, there were times I asked him to go slow, but didn't say it's because it hurts. Somewhere along the way, I did start saying it hurts, but he took it really personally. He said, what's wrong with you? You don't like sex? It ruined our relationship.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me.
0: Yeah, and that that's a genuine fear. And I think if you're a man listening, it's easy to say, well, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. And that's kind of the whole point of the discussion is that If we've had an experience like that, it's really hard for us to speak up again. And so Mm -hmm. again, we really need your help to kind of coax us out. So those are the first two reasons. The third reason was, this is another quote. This is a quote that comes up often. This is basically the fear is that you'll say, my last girlfriend was way easier and less work than you. You're broken. And that word broken came up a lot on the women's side. When I did sex research, that they were afraid that they were broken. My origin actually is working with survivors of child sexual abuse. So I would just throw out here that the rates we know are very high. It's one in six boys and one in three girls are sexually abused. And so it's extremely likely if you've had sex with three or more women that you have had sex with a sexual abuse survivor and she probably hasn't told you. Maybe some of them have told you, but that word broken often comes up if a woman is, anorgasmic, meaning doesn't have the ability to have an orgasm, physical trauma is often stored in the body. And this is true of women and men. I've worked with lots of men who are survivors of sexual trauma, and that's totally resolvable as long as you're actually getting somatic therapy and handling it. But my point is that that fear is very present for women that if they speak up about, I kind of need this in order to orgasm, someone will say, you're broken. Mm -hmm. you're too difficult it takes Mm -hmm. you too long you're too hard that's a very real fear so that's fear number three and then the last one is actually sort of more on the positive side and what i mean by that is (laughs) it's hard for us to speak up all of us generally about what we like sexually because there's just a lot of shame involved but i do think that we still have a pretty puritanical society and so it's even harder for women to talk about like i really want you to fill in the blank to me in bed, or I want to be talked to this way. And so I thought this was a really poignant quote from the research. I have always had an easier time talking about and doing new things with a fling rather than my partner, because I don't care what my fling thinks, but I don't want my partner to think I'm a trashy whore. Mm
1: -hmm. I don't
0: want my partner to think I'm a trashy whore. Mm -hmm. Somehow pierced my heart. That was one of the most poignant things I pulled out, because I think I can relate to that where it's like... I gotta trust you like a lot to Mm -hmm. actually tell you what I want. And that includes what is working, right? Like I loved when you pinned me up against the wall is kind of an edgy thing to say. Now I would say from the research, it's far more difficult for women to tell you what isn't working than what is working. But it is one of the reasons that women don't talk about it because they're afraid. They're afraid. They're really afraid. And it was so interesting in the research because One of the questions I asked was, what do you wish you could have told a previous partner about the sex with no sugarcoating, right? And Mm -hmm. I think my research is a little bit like a confessional because it's anonymous and it's (laughs) confidential. So people just go hog wild. You know, there's no reason for them not to tell me everything. And this was really extraordinary, actually. What do you wish you could have told a previous partner about the sex really showed this dynamic. So for example, this is what men said. I need her to tell me what she likes, what she needs. Tell me what feels good and what doesn't. Another man said, what am I doing wrong? Show me how to do it right or how you like it. Take my hand, take my penis, show me. Tell me while having sex so I won't stop or move. She won't tell me how to be better. And then, this is so funny, this is what the women said. Are you ready? What do you wish you could have told a previous partner about the sex? About my likes and needs. Basically everything that are my needs. How I wanted to be touched or how to touch. Be more specific about what I want and more important, what I don't. So in my research, I call this the divide, right? There's this, there's like like star-crossed lovers. The men are like, tell me what you need. And the women are like, I wish I could tell you what I need. Mm -hmm. And there's no, there's this gap. There's this big divide in the research that we've been talking about from the beginning. And again, I really feel like it's so terrifying for us to cross the divide that I think it's really worth it for men to, to invest in understanding how to do that, how to actually draw her out and coax her out and ask the right questions and be patient. Because a lot of the times when I ask the men that I work with, oh, like, have you talked to your woman about the sex or that's their wife or their girlfriend? Yeah, yeah, I've talked to her about sex. But when I actually dig in, it's sort of like, it's those questions we were saying, like, how's that? How do you like it? Right. Men will say, well, I've asked her, like, what does she want? How do you like it? Asking a woman once, how do you like it? Or what do you want can actually be really intimidating for women, especially if they don't necessarily know their bodies and aren't as comfortable in their sexuality yet. It feels overwhelming. It feels vulnerable. It can feel really revealing for them to actually say, Honestly, I really want you to go down on me and I want you to be way more gentle with your tongue. Like I want you to tease my thighs. I want you to touch all over my body with like a feather. I want you to to lick really, really gently and slowly at first. My pussy will open like a flower is what one woman said when she's like, when I'm ready, my pussy will open like a flower. But you're just trying to jam things in there all the time. Like it can't take the jabbing. So I think that's a thing that men don't really understand because they think, For them, maybe it's easier to say what they want and to advocate for themselves. I think that's easier for some men than others, but I think it's really important for men to really understand how hard it is for us to speak up, how much of a risk it feels like we are taking. And that risk only goes up as we get closer to you, right? As we bond with you, as we love you, as we want you to win with us, as we care about the relationship. We don't want to risk the relationship. We don't want to fuck up the relationship, by saying, ow, oh, actually the way you've been touching me with your hands, our whole relationship kind of hurts. And that's why I want to get to the intercourse faster, because not because I'm ready,
1: but because I want this part to stop. It's almost like like you just hit the G spot of my brain of this conversation. I like that analogy. I really like that <laughs> analogy. Because you just like, it's just all going. And like exploding right now for me. And I'm thinking of all my own personal experiences. And I know Marnie would have her experiences to share. And I'm not going to share all of my experiences, but what you're saying, I can attest to every single thing as an individual female. I can't attest for thousands of them, but I know everything you're saying is spot on. And I wanted to go back to number two. So you said the number two reason was because I think it was something about not being intimate. Like he would pull away.
0: Yes. It's weird that he will withdraw and just leave. Leave, just kind of withdraw into himself and then leave. eventually leave the relationship. Like I yeah. offended him. He took it the wrong way. And now I'm fucked. He's going to leave.
1: Yeah. So I had an experience when I was dating somebody where, you know, and I forget about men's egos and sex. I just forget because women... Our ego isn't attached to sex the way men's egos are attached to sex. Of course, we want to be seen as beautiful and sexy and all that kind of stuff and have them enjoy their experience with us. But it's like we aren't going to be made or broken by the fact that, like, the guy, I mean, maybe some women more so, but it's, it just doesn't have the same value to us in that sense attached to our ego. So I was dating someone and we were, Having a conversation, we were out to dinner, we were having fun, and it's like all of a sudden sex comes up, and I forget you have to walk on eggshells. And I, I had had a couple drinks. I wasn't walking on eggshells in that moment. I was just freely talking, like I was talking to a girlfriend, and all of a sudden I caught myself being really honest, and he got really upset. I basically had to say, I'm sorry to him, and I'll explain what it was that I said, but I, basically said, oh my God, I forgot I wasn't talking to a girl about sex because it's a very different thing where well, you can be honest with a girl. And when you're talking to a guy, you can't totally be honest because that withdrawal, that ego, that you're like taking a hammer and smashing this entire world that they've got built up in their head, that they've had sexually with women for so long when all of a sudden you're breaking it and they're going, wait a second. So you're telling me like every girl that I've been with hasn't been pleased and that will make them pull away. I mean, talk about pull out, like that's like a huge, hard pull out. But basically what I said, I was just speaking honestly about when men go down on women and how it can be very hard for women to orgasm with just being given head. And so the person I was dating at the time, he's like, I give really good head. And he's like, all the women come when I go down on them. And I just said, are you sure they weren't faking? And I didn't mean that as an insult. I just meant, I know physiologically, that's just not possible. You could be the best eater-outer in the entire world, but not every single woman, like you said, we're all different cars. So we're all going to come different ways. So if every single woman is exploding when you're going down on them, is it that you're driving the same exact car or is it that they're maybe putting on an act for you so that you don't get upset? Yeah. And so when I when I said, are you sure they weren't faking? I said it so casually and so not even thinking. He folded his arms. He stopped speaking to me and the night was over. And It was just like, he was so mad and so miffed and could not take it that I then had to go, shit, this is a guy I'm seeing. It's a guy that I like. And now he won't talk to me. And now is he seeing me as a different person? Am I now no longer viable as a girlfriend? We had been going on many, many dates. And so then I learned from that moment with, Him and, you know, of course, with other men, not to be honest. Yeah. And I was trying to explain, like, no, 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 I'm not trying to hurt you specifically and say that you are bad. I'm talking about women physiologically. It has nothing to do with your skills, but to him, it had everything to do with him. And so that's just one example
0: Mm -hmm.
1: of Mm -hmm. experiences that I've had when it's come to negative experiences around conversations. And so I learned with that partner to just go with it, to say everything's great, you're doing great, it's all perfect. And I'm completely pleased when that was basically the polar opposite the case. of what was happening.
0: Right, and, and that's the thing is that it shuts down really valuable
1: conversations that could happen. Yeah, like he could have learned maybe what he was, because I wasn't with him you know, and so I could have then expressed what I like. And then that yes, might transfer over exactly. to, you know, the next experiences that he's having, even though, again, we're not the same car, I could have helped give him a new perspective on it, then new skills and a new experience.
0: And he could have learned your car. Because what I hear right. from that
1: is it
0: doesn't work for me. And research-wise, you're actually in the minority. So only 25 to 30% of women can have an orgasm through intercourse. The vast right. majority of women do not come through intercourse. And many women say the best way for them to come is oral. That is not true for your car. That's not true for your car. If I were a man dating you, I would want to know more about that. Tell me. Right. Tell me what does have you. What gets you wet and wild? Tell me about your car. Tell right. me about your car. Not you just insulted me and emasculated me and took away my masculinity and I'm enraged by that. So I'm going to punish you with my withdrawal. And I think that that is something that frequently happens. We don't like to say it out loud, but I do think that for the men listening, it is worth really examining your defensiveness and really kind of coming to a different perspective about a woman communicating sexually. And what I mean by that is If she says, ow, it doesn't mean that you're a bad lover, okay? Right. It just means in this moment, that's not working. That kind of hurts. That's too much pressure. And by the way, our bodies physiologically change drastically over the course of a month. So the way that my man needs to touch me with his hands during one week is different than another week. So Mm -hmm. the adjustments we're talking about are kind of constant and ongoing. Right. And then I feel bad for guys. Right. Well, that's the thing though, right? Is the way that conversation could have gone is he could have said, yeah, you're right. Maybe some of them were faking it. You know, I don't know. I'm interested in, in hearing more about this though. Cause you know, you just talked about you and orgasms and going down and tell me more. I want to know about your experience. What for you? It could have been an opening conversation and instead it was a deal breaker. And I think that's a poignant example, Kristen, of why we don't tend to say something and why it is such a standout man who does. And I think that's been every man that I've coached around this, every man that has gone and had a conversation with his woman, with the exception of some sort of historical, like the relationship's not working, that woman's really not open to him anymore, everyone has said... I learned more about this woman and sex than I think I ever would have without this conversation. And in my course, one of the things I talk about is this is an ongoing thing. This is not just you ask once and she tells you. What you're trying to do is actually change the culture of the relationship to one where it is safe to speak up. Because if you say to a woman, and this is how I train my men, Kristen, I always want to know. I always want to know if something's working. I always want to know if something hurts or isn't working. I always want to know. And you got to say that a few times. And then when she actually says like, oh, like that's a little bit painful. Thank you for telling me. And you can be open and say like, yeah, that stings a little to hear. And thank you for telling me. But what you're trying to do is create a culture where a woman does feel safe to say, mm, I love that part. And... This part didn't work for me so much because as you make those adjustments and you're getting better and better, you are driving that car better and better. And she is motivated to drive that car. She wants to ride in that car. She wants to ride that car. You know what I'm saying? Like you are a standout. And that bar, like I said, is so low. And women, a lot of women will tell you over time, not necessarily right away. What I noticed was there was a drastic shift in the research age wise between women right around like late 30s, like Late 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, women start to give fewer fucks about how they're perceived. And so Mm -hmm. they tend to start to be more honest with men sexually. So if you're sleeping with a woman who's more empowered or more already that way, and you say, Tell me what you like, I always want to know. She's probably gonna have something to say. But if you're if you're sleeping with a younger woman who's not as that has developed sexually, right, doesn't necessarily know her body as well, she might say, I don't know. I'm not sure don't give up. That's just the beginning. You're starting out, you're starting to learn. And that's when those questions come in of how's that pressure. And there's other questions I talk about in the course, but they're all along that range of you're trying to get to know the car. You're trying to get to know the car and trust me, it's worth it. It's really worth it. And it's not as hard as you think. As soon as you kind of make that shift of like, oh, I'm learning how to drive this car instead of... I need to be a master race car driver already or else I'm not a man. And I think that's the dichotomy, right? Is that man felt threatened in his very masculinity when you said that, which is such a sad and inaccurate way of looking at it. It's like, doesn't make you less of a man if your woman experiences pain during sex. Most women report that. So at some point during her cycle, she's going to be really sensitive and you're going to go to those nipples and it's going to hurt. And it's okay. It doesn't mean that you're a bad man. It's just like, oh, good. Okay, good. I'm just going to back off there. I'm going to try something else. How's this pressure? Maybe you want your hair stroke tonight. It's okay. It's not the end of the fucking world. It's actually you're a good guy, right? You're a good guy if you're learning how to adjust to your car.
1: Well, honestly, as you're talking and I'm hearing these points of like, what's this kind of pressure like? And I want to know and tell me. And I can just feel. I don't know if I'm just like, I really need to like touch a man right now, or it's just kind of exciting me in the sense of I can feel the connection with that both physically and mentally. And so with women, we're going to be so much more down to connect with you mentally when you make us feel safe physically. So it's like a domino effect or it's like a coming full circle because the more you want to communicate with me in the bedroom and want to know about me in the bedroom, the more we're going to connect outside the bedroom, the more we're connected outside the bedroom, the more I'm going to want to be in the bedroom with you and so on and so forth.
0: Exactly. When I feel emotionally safe with you, and that's really for me what it is when a man's like, listen, I really want to know what works. And I really want to know what doesn't work because I want to know your body. I'm like, oh, wow, you're advanced you're mature, right? Yeah. And that is so sexy. You have to back that up though. You have to back that up. If she does say it hurts, you can't pout. You can't sulk. You can't do that stuff. It has to be, you can say, like I said, you can say like, okay, I'm honestly, that stings a little and I'm really glad you told me. I love that you told me. Thank you for telling me. I always want to know. You can repeat that, but that emotional safety that's built when you do that over time like you said kristen i think also leads to better communication outside the bedroom because it's a it's a way of thinking it's like i do always want to know when something's not working i do want to know if i've hurt your feelings i do want to know and that kind of constant like please tell me attitude yeah it's the opposite of of fragility right it's resilience it's i right. can take it i want to know and I think that takes a certain level of development to get to, but it's so healing. Like you said, it's so restorative. And yeah, it makes me want to fuck you. Like, I'm like, oh, definitely. I want to get with that because I feel wanted and I feel safe. Because to me, that's part of what I train my men in is how to have her feel desired and safe. Those are both really important. And that statement of, I always want to know, I really want this to feel good for you. I'm invested in this feeling good for you. So I want to know if it ever hurts or doesn't feel good for you. A, shows that you're aware that many of the experiences we've had have been painful. And B, embedded in there is, I want you. (laughs) I want to be sexy with you. I find you very attractive. And I want you to be having a good time. And I can handle it. If something isn't working, it's so masculine. To me, it's incredibly
1: masculine to open that space in a relationship. It really is. I mean, I'm thinking of a couple guys that I've been chatting with recently and you know, it's all new, but if one of them took that route and said that to me, like they would be the choice, they would be the winner. And it's like, I'm almost excited at the thought of having that experience and having that connection because that's all we really want is a connection mentally and physically. And so you're saying all the things to get you there. But I want to go back to something that you were talking about earlier, which I feel like I've struggled with. And I'm getting better as I get older. Like you mentioned, you know, the women that are getting into their late 30s are more like, fuck it. I don't care. I'm going to say what I'm going to say. And it is very freeing. But there still is a little like leftover trauma. Well, maybe not trauma, but fear of what you were going to talk about or that you talked about, which is if I'm too open, I'm going to be perceived as this trashy whore. Yes. And so women have a really difficult rope to walk because you want to be sexual so that he is into you, but you don't want to be so sexual that you're the girl he throws away. Yes, you want to be respected. You want to be you want to be, seen. be respected. You want to be respected. Yes. Yeah. And I actually had a guy say to me recently, I liked him a lot. He goes, We were talking about dick pics. And he said, You're the type of girl I wouldn't send a dick pic to because I respect you, which is terrible for other girls that he's saying there are girls that, you know, he sees on a dating app that he's like, mm, Yeah, maybe I'd send them a dick pic. Cause like They look kind of like floozies or whatever. And he was like, you look like someone that I would not. However, there are guys that have sent me dick pics. And so then it makes a girl wonder, is that guy perceiving me as the trashy whore? And why is he perceiving me as the trashy whore? So if I get dick pics, I'm self-conscious. And then if I don't get dick pics, I'm a little self-conscious because it's like, am I not attractive enough? It's the dick pic double bind. Yes, it is. So you're kind of stuck between a rock and a literal hard place, no pun intended, (laughs) on how to behave as a woman. And so what would you advise for men to make women comfortable if they want to get a little bit more freaky or out there or real and super honest? Because I've been in both situations where I have been really honest and then situations where I feel like if I'm honest, I'm gonna be thrown to the curb. So how does a guy, you know, and most guys listening will say like, no, I want to know your fantasies or I want to know that intimate stuff or that like kind of crazy side to you in the bedroom if I'm dating you. But I don't think they really do. Well, how do they get a woman to be comfortable enough where th- that she can express what she wants while knowing she's not going to be thrown to the curb if she expresses what she wants.
0: Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. I mean, I have my version of that, which I want to share very quickly, which is oh my God. I hooked up with this Canadian guy who was not good, really not good at not a good kisser. I apologize for wearing the Canadian thing. I've hooked up with men from many, many areas of the world. Some have been good, some have not been good. This just happens mm-hmm. to be thing I remember about him. But we were making out it was not good. I chose not to sleep with him that night. Mm-hmm. For a variety of reasons, but mostly because what he was doing was not turning me on, and and then I remember the next day he was talking to one of my housemates and he said, "Mel is a lady. Mel is a lady," and I mm-hmm. thought to myself, "This is what I'm talking about." Where we are given messages all the time that when we're sexual, it means we're slutty, and I had known him for a while. We had mutual friends. It wasn't even a date, really. It wasn't like the first time we were going on a date or anything. And and by the way, I think that people who judge, people who have sex on the first date, I think that sucks. I think a lot of us want to have sex on the first date and that's okay. And it's okay to want that. It's okay to not want that. It's okay to do that. It's okay to not do that. So I think the trying to figure it out thing, right? Of how to be a woman and be respected and be sexual can drive you fucking crazy because the truth is a lot of it has nothing to do with us. A lot of it has to do with men and whether they do Mm -hmm. actually respect women and whether they (laughs) are developed themselves you know, emotionally, mentally, and have done their work. That's thing one. Thing two is, one of the things I train my guys on is the phrase, I find it really sexy when. So for example, Mm. I find it really sexy when you tell me what you like. I find it really sexy when you show up in that kind of outfit. Or I would find it really sexy if. I would find it really sexy if you wore lingerie one night. I'd be in support of that, if that feels good to you. So the kind of I would find it sexy or I do find it sexy when I think has opened up a lot for a lot of the guys that I've worked with in inviting her out more. And frankly, I think a lot of it is what we're talking about. If you're establishing a safe culture in the relationship, listen, I always want to know. I always want to know what works. I always want to know what doesn't. I always want to know. You don't have to tell me right now you're laying the groundwork, you're laying the foundation. You know, the whole first part of what I teach is how to do that part so that in the unfolding of your relationship, she's a lot more likely to fucking tell you because you've said, Mm -hmm. I want to know. And that orientation of, I want to know what works for you and what doesn't work for you. I am a lot more likely to say, okay, I've never told anyone this, but I've always had a fantasy of taking a bath. And then you pull me out of the bath and you go down on me right there in the bathroom. I just made that up. It doesn't matter. But there are so many things that all of us are holding back from each other. And I think that, again, in my work with men, what I tend to train them on is how to lead. And leading is not dominating. It's not being passive either. It's inviting a woman to be with you, right? So leading is, I'd love to take you to dinner on Friday. How does that feel? Instead of, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Mm. Right? Leading is not, I'm taking you to dinner on Friday. I don't care what you're doing. It's creating the invitation, right? It's leading in the relationship. And because I work with men that are single and in relationship. This also works in the relationship when something feels weird. I'll say if you can feel her tense or close or something just happened, lead. Say, hey, I noticed the energy has shifted. What's going on? Yeah. That's leading. No, it's not leading. Are you okay? Right? Are you okay is one of those questions. It's one of those questions. We feel pressure to say, yeah, everything's fine. But if you say, hey, I noticed that the energy just shifted. I noticed something just
1: changed. How are you doing? Yeah, What's going on? That's leading. It is. And with the men that I work with, we work a lot on banter and play and fun and communication. And I talk about leading as well a lot. And leading is a lost art. For men, you know, like we think about men leading in dance, you know, in the 1940s and the 1950s or, you know, men would lead in dance and the women would follow and we've lost that experience, but men can lead in other ways and that what you're doing is that. So it's like taking the dance version that we don't do anymore leading and we're leading with our words and with our support. I don't know if that's the right word, but
0: I think so. I think that's a good word. Yeah. What I have enjoyed repeatedly is when my clients say, wow, this is a lot easier. <laughs> Dating is so much easier now. Right. Because they have a sense of how to lead and women respond because so few men lead. So few men lead that if you're a man who learns how to do this well, you stand out. Again, you stand out and women are like wow
1: I want to go out with you I want to see you again and this is where it turns into because women are sexual creatures but this is where it turns psychological because when you're leading I mean like again I don't know if I'm just so desperate for a dude right now but it is a turn on it's not like the cliche of like if you know sometimes we joke about the show and I feel like Marnie and I sound like we're like 55 years old but We joke about like, if a guy does the dishes, it's like, oh, that's such a turn on. But it's really not that he does the dishes so much. It's that he's leading or he's Mm -hmm. taking action. Mm -hmm. And we're so turned on by action. And by that masculine energy really is like such an aphrodisiac. And I just feel she's even saying that word, but it's it's true. true.
0: And that he noticed, he walked in and he noticed there are things that need to be done here. I'm going to do them. There's something about his presence and noticing. And yeah. that's also what's hot about, hey, I noticed something just happened. What's going on? How are you right. feeling? Right. The, hey, I just noticed the energy shift. That is already attractive to me because it means you're Usually. actually fully present hey, here. With, yes, you are noticing me. You are seeing me. That is hot. So now, interestingly, I tell my men this, I'm like, you've already won half the battle saying, hey, I noticed the energy just shifted. She's now answering from a different place because she already feels seen. So whatever's happened, now she's going to be more open about it because she feels noticed rather than something happened. We're tense. We're in the car. Nobody's talking. He's not bringing it up. I feel hurt. I've Now I feel shame about feeling hurt. I know I feel down. I feel like he hasn't noticed me, et cetera. It's just getting worse. Uh rather than him taking the initiative. And I have immense respect for men's intuitions. I think that we give a lot of credit to women for their intuition. And I think that's true. I, in working with a lot of men, have deep respect for the masculine and for male intuition and, and how much they are tracking their partners all the time. I'm like, you noticed that? And they're like, yeah. I was aware the whole time. I'm like, why didn't you ask me about it? I don't understand how you, what? you know, you were totally there present, like tracking the whole thing. So I'm always telling my men, trust yourself, trust yourself. If you feel like something's going on, something's probably going on. Yeah. So speak to it, lead, be the first one to break the silence. Say, yeah, I'm noticing I'm feeling a little uncomfortable. I'd love to hear what's going
1: on for you right now. That's leading. Right. So they have to be willing to be paying attention to themselves and to the situation and to her. So you can't like put on blinders and go in robot mode and just be like, you know, unobservant. You have to observe, observe the energy, observe her.
0: Yes. My experience in working with a number of men is that many men are trauma survivors from their childhood, little T trauma or big T trauma. Mm -hmm. So many men go into a freeze state. They can feel something's happening, but they don't feel equipped to do something about it. And sometimes they physiologically are in a free state. So I give a lot of grace to men. And I understand Mm -hmm. that a lot of the fear comes from somewhere, especially children of neglect. We tend to attract a lot of men that were from uh, homes where there was emotional or physical neglect. And you can work on that. It doesn't have to be like that forever. But I just want to say, I also understand if there's a reason why it's scary to say or to lead or to take action or to be to be engaged. And what I've seen that's been gratifying is, again, the men, the men who choose to do it and choose to grow are like, well, this is a lot easier and I'm getting way better results and I'm having better sex and I feel more connected to my partners. You know, we've had a lot of divorced men. I'm curious if you've had this experience either, but we've had a lot of divorced men who've said, I've gotten closer to this woman in three months than I did to my wife of 10 years. Because I've been leading the conversations. I've been leading. Yes, she's been open. And I think that's that's sort of a credit to the virtuous cycle that can happen, right? When he's leading with vulnerability and she's opening and he's leading and she's opening, there's an upward spiral. Whereas for a lot of those men in their marriages, there was a downward spiral. She didn't right. feel noticed. She didn't feel seen. He didn't speak to it. The dynamic calcified. And then it was horrible for everyone involved.
1: yeah. There's been so many horrible situations, but there's been good ones and those good ones kind of carry you through. Like I cannot wait to have another good experience with a man and hopefully it's like the last man and I get married to him and don't have to worry about this bullshit anymore. <laughs> double bind, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this episode is awesome. Tons of great information. I want to close with something a little bit more like a treat for the guys, I guess I would call it, which would be, I know we're talking more conceptual, you know, conversation, being open, all that kind of stuff. But do you have any go-to... This is probably the opposite of what you do or what your teaching method is, but do you have any go-to sexual moves for guys that they can take away almost as like a parting gift of this episode? (laughs) Sure.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm not opposed to that at all. Okay. Yeah. I would say touch her over her clothes and I don't mm, just mean mm-hmm. jeans. But I mean, take her jeans off and touch her over her panties and take a while there. Take a while. Cause my experience is men tend to rush that really oh. fast and there's something
1: really, I don't even know what her... happens. It goes so fast.
0: Yeah. No. There's I'm like, how did really... my
1: clothes get on the floor? I wasn't even here. It was like almost like a wind, just like a wind gust, like a tornado. Just And then all of a sudden I'm naked. I'm like, how did this happen? <laughs> I don't recall. I think there's a lot of pleasure in being touched through clothing. I mean,
0: physically and emotionally, you're sort of being teased. You know he's going to go there, but it feels really good. If it's like cotton or satin or whatever it's made of, it feels really, it's just really, really fun. So I'd say, Touch her over her clothes and especially over her underwear for longer than you normally would. And that goes with your cock as well, right? Tease her with your cock through her panties, not with them off. I mean, it's great with them off too, but... Anything you can do to kind of extend that sort of golden time of turn on, she's going to be more excited. She's going to be more wet. She's going to be more ready. She's going to be more turned on. All of that good stuff and use way less pressure than you have been. So touch her over her underwear with less pressure. And I would love to wrap out with just some of the quotes from women who were talking about the men who are the best in bed. Yes, go for it. He broke me out of the cage of vanilla sex that was my marriage. Ah, she's lucky. I feel like he read me like a book, played me like a fine instrument. Mm. It was slow and deliberate and left me begging in the end. Mm. And those are just a few of them. So I think that experience that you were speaking to of feeling deeply seen and connected, to me, that is the potential of excellent sex. It's, yeah, oh, you're really here with me. Oh, you really care about me. And not necessarily we're in love, we're doing the whole partnership thing. I've had excellent sex with men who I didn't go on to be with, but I felt deeply seen. I felt valued. I felt cherished. I felt loved. Even if we weren't saying the I love you thing, that's the potential. And I had lots of orgasms. It's all connected, right? When I feel you deeply with me and I feel like you are reading my body like an instrument, you are paying attention to me and you are gentle with your hands, gentle with your mouth, you know, actually slowing down and being there. It's intoxicating.
1: Yeah. And that's why sometimes I've enjoyed more of a hookup than a sex with a hookup. Than, and I've been holding off saying this. So I'm like, mm, do I want to say this in case like family members listen? It's horrible to think like your second cousin's brother's uncle could be knowing like your sexual life. But I was holding off saying that some of the experiences that I've had that have been the best are more of the hookups or like the sex on the first date because there's not this pressure to be like, we need to like know everything about each other, you know, it's like they're aware of you, but it, the pressure is off. So you can be more open and have more fun or something. I'm not saying that for every single situation, but that is just that low pressure environment where you feel so turned on when this kind of stranger guy sees you. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm saying really at the moment, but Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, there's a certain freedom in it. There's a certain freedom in it. And I would imagine as well that the the circumstances you're thinking of, the man was pretty present and he was actually to your body. So there was a quality of his attention. He was good at what he was doing, he was good and he was there with you. And you did feel seen and you did feel wanted. Those are really the main elements of great sex feeling seen, feeling wanted.
1: Yes. Uh, All right. Well, you're making me hot. So I got to go now. (laughs) I got to shower. Now I have to shower. So (laughs) this has been such an awesome episode. I think the guys listening got so much out of this. Melanie, thank you so much for joining myself and um, Marnie and Spirit today. So where can guys find you? How can they work with you? What are some of your courses? Just give it to me.
0: Yeah. So I run the Dear Men podcast, Dear Men, How to Rock Sex, Dating and Relationships. I think there's a lot of great content on there for men that want that kind of thing to listen in a similar way to this. And then if you're interested in the course I mentioned, it's called Please Her in Bed. And that's just pleaseherinbed.com or you can find it on my site. And I did make a promo code for 25% off for Ask Women. So if you use the code Ask Women, you'll get
1: 25% off of that. Amazing. Okay. Well, you guys should definitely do it because who... I mean, life is short. Make it as good as you can, but especially in the bedroom and do it for like women like me. Like We need you guys to be good. We do because Because we want to... Yeah. We want to feel it. We want to feel good. So go check out Melanie's stuff. Thank you so much for listening. Share the show with your friends so your guys can be better in bed too. You build a circle of cool dudes with great women, then you're going to be around more great women. So (laughs) it's true.